Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 272. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. If you go to axontiretips.com, go to the bottom and fill out a form. They're going to give you a free Axon Tire resource mouse pad, and uh, not one but two. But So if you go down there and check that out, uh, there's a lot of great information on that website as well. A lot of white papers and what have you about compaction and those kind of things. So check that out. If you're interested in doing that, go to axontiretips.com, fill out the form, and they'll send you those mass pads in the mail. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, ag direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. This Moving Iron podcast is also brought to you by TractorZoom. With access to over $20 billion worth of heavy equipment sales data, TractorZoom Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent heavy equipment values and optionable pricing insights. My favorite time of the month here, got Rich Possum back on to talk about what's happening in the overall economy. And uh, we were kind of running some stuff down before the uh, podcast started here. And I finally had to say, Rich, we got to stop. We got to just, we got to record this because we're going to, we're going to run out of stuff to talk about. So Rich, Rich uh, Possum, how you doing this morning, man? Very good. Glad to be on again. Yeah. Rich has got a podcast called Critical Point Podcast. The podcast covers all the, uh, all the high points of what's happening in the marketplace, his business signal, um, algorithms and those kind of things and what he's getting from his, his various stuff there. So Rich, talk about your podcast a little bit where people can find that. Yes, uh, go to criticalpointpod.com. You'll find information about myself, the modeling. You'll find some free stuff. There's also a page to go to uh, another site that actually has a list of all the uh, videos and audios available uh, on our markets and opinion. And you can sign up for our subscription service there. And we discuss the stock market, the economy, uh, the grain markets, uh, a few other commodities and financial markets, but generally a focus on a few grains and the uh, stock market and economy. Well, Rich, there's, uh, I guess, where do you want to start? So there's CPI numbers came out, um, was it yesterday or the day before? 
yesterday. Uh, so yeah, let's start with that since that's okay. the latest hottest news here. All right. uh, so the CPI come in at 9.1%. Uh, Goldman uh, Sachs was one of the highest at 8.8%. Uh, the White House was actually, uh, I believe, higher than that. I never did see the number, but uh, and I just thought they're trying to play it safe, put it as high as possible, and that way if it comes in lower, uh, everybody would be happier. Well, gee whiz, 9.1% is shocked the market. The stock market went down. Um, and now people are saying, well, the Fed can't just do three quarter percent. They got to do a full percent. And Canada yesterday raised a full percent. Their inflation has been hot too. The real estate has been unbelievably hot. Uh, boy, are they paying through the nose for homes up there. So they probably look at the U.S. saying, well, we're not going to be much different. Let's jump on this and let's do something about this. So there is some fear of uh, we got some big jumps coming in interest rates. So we got to get even uh, more aggressive on that. Um, and inside that inflation, people are saying, well, you know, the crude oil market is, is, is coming down, gasoline's coming down. And there was some discussion uh, late yesterday for some very good uh, analysts that I'd like to keep an eye on. And, and I agree with what they're looking at. I went back and did some of my own testing. And there is a scenario when gasoline can lag up to three months to what's going on in the crude oil market. And then you take that lag or take whatever you're dealing with gasoline, plug that into this inflation number. And if you look at what's going on in both oil and gasoline, they've been going, going down for a while, actually. And I've been bearish recently on crude oil. And it actually dropped uh, well this week. I kept telling everybody, I think it's only worth 90 bucks a barrel but I didn't think it would be here this fast. And we're like 93 this morning and they're still pounding it. So there's some good news here in the sense that it ought to bring down that inflation number in coming months. Now, the problem is how fast will that do it? And what is the highest month of this year? And it's, it's turned out to be very difficult for any of us to pick that month. But I think we're getting very close. And I'm rather optimistic inflation will be coming down later this year into next. But because of that, such a high number and people have you know, thought three months ago, it was pretty much done going up. <laughs> I think everybody's really nervous now. What if it's just that nobody can predict this, it's going to stay up a long time. And so, yes, that's making the markets jittery here. Um, and so, you know, I'll, my best forecast is, yes, it's coming down into next year. Problem is the Fed's probably going to continue to raise rates. But here's an interesting thing when you look at the bond market. In theory, the bond market is where the geniuses are of keeping up with the economy. And the bond market, the interest rate for the 10-year note is actually lower than it was a month ago. Um, and it didn't explode off of this 9.1% inflation. And it was fascinating. My model was saying there's a good chance interest rates go down into next week. And I didn't, didn't really believe it and believe my own model. And, and no, it really hasn't come off much as of this morning. But you could see it just didn't respond. It didn't go up. Now, maybe it will. In the next few days, sometimes there's a bit of a lag and people need to take time to assess everything. But the bond market is kind of sending messages that it really doesn't think we need to really declare greater war on inflation, that, that we're going to work through this. Now, you could argue it's also a little concerned that we are going to do this greater war, but we're also going to hurt our economy more. We're going to go into recession. And so I think we need to mention that um, the yield curve of the two-year note and the 10-year note, which is the most popular 
yield curve, like in commodities, it's like right. uh, the spread between July corn and December corn. Uh, the yield curve is turning flat to negative or that would be the spread talk. Uh, otherwise, they would say it's inverted. And what's going on is that's a signal in past years for recession. But I don't trust as much as some people because we had that, what, three months ago? And they scared us with it. Oh, we're going to recession. And then it went away. And I think it's going to go away again. But right. But the point is, even if I'm right and we don't go into recession going into next year, the point is today's news, that yield curve is scaring people. It's making people nervous and it's made the commodity people nervous. It's making the uh, financial people nervous. Uh, so it could be a little touch and go here in some of these markets the next few days as they try to uh, figure yeah, where, where we're really going with this inflation and what are we going to do for interest rates? But to me, I, I find it interesting the bond market hasn't already exploded here on, on rates. And it may, it, it may just pick up the pace next week or something that it just kind of stalled out, needed to evaluate everything. But um, I think it's sending a message that it's not coming to uh, something extreme where inflation is up for a very long time. And we've got to put these uh, interest rates up for uh, uh, much, much higher. And uh, and I think that brings us to, I'll throw in a little discussion of gold here, even though I might be getting a little off track because we need to relate this to uh, inflation to the economy. But the gold market has paid no attention to this run-up inflation. Uh, yeah, that, that was going to ask you about that. That's that's very unusual for this time, for these kind of it things is. to happen where gold doesn't make a big well, move one way or the other yeah and it's gone on for more than a year and it just uh and i've been warning people since last year we do not want the low well i say we if you're bullish gold you're owning gold you believe it's got to go higher you do not want to see last year's low violated and this week i woke up to the fact that there's a fund very famous fund in gold called gld as a symbol and they actually invest in real gold. You just buy a share like a stock, but you're buying real gold. And uh, it's just you don't take delivery. You can't get it delivered to your house. <laughs> you're buying it on paper. But it's uh, that uh, that fund violated last year's low. So model saying, boy, gold could go lower all the way into the year 2025, 2026. It doesn't have to go down huge amounts by no means. It may be more sideways, but a wide range. It could go down to $1,400, though. Uh, it could have still some wild brief swings along the way. It can go up quite a bit, but only go down later, that kind of scenario. What it's mostly telling us is it's unlikely to go to a record high over the next five, six years. Now, before I get too excited about that on the bear side, I will say that uh, the gold futures have not taken out last year's low. So I need that for confirmation. But it is something to watch. And I, you know, is the gold market telling us it's more worried about a recession? Is it more worried that we're going to kind of mess up here at killing this inflation when we wind up shooting ourselves in the foot and hurt our economy? Uh, I think it's more or less the gold market is saying you can raise these interest rates enough that it can work and you bring down inflation and there's just no reason to buy a lot of gold and set on it. And uh, that's my take on it. I can see how someone else might make a more bearish scenario out of it uh, for our economy and so forth. But I think the gold's just telling us this inflation stuff's going to work its way out. It's not the 1970s where we have high inflation every single year for the entire decade is what it's telling us. 
And uh, so I don't see a reason to, I've said for months now, I don't see a reason to own gold and like Bitcoin. I, I've been bearish all year long at Bitcoin and that just blew out. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, they gave, they, they started to, they actually started using gold or uh, Bitcoin to hedge uh, inflation here late last year, but they gave up on it kind of quickly. And uh, now it's just, uh, being crushed on its own uh, weight there. I kind of pick on some of my friends that have been, you know, if you mention something bad about Bitcoin, it's almost like they want to take a swipe at you, you know? And yeah. it's like, uh, so So now I tell them, I say, okay, so you told us that we got to be anti-government, anti-Fed, we got to be anti-dollar, our dollar is useless. We all got to be in Bitcoin, cryptos. And so I, I, I get them upset now when they say, so why are you selling your crypto uh, and buying the dollar? Uh, please explain that. And uh they haven't explained anything yet, <laughs> other than they're losing in their in their Bitcoin. Uh, I and I don't think Bitcoin is implying anything for our economy or stock market. I think it's just its own uh, market there. By the way, so um, but yeah, interesting scenario on gold and and what a wild year. I mean, you blew up. Uh, we've blown up uh, Bitcoin and cryptos. Uh, we got the gold not doing so well. Uh, we had outrageous gasoline prices, but um, I, I do think these energy prices have rolled over for a while yet. I'm not saying they're coming down huge amounts, but um, kind of hopefully we see $65 oil by next year, but I'm not going to hold my breath on it. But it just feels like it's going to be very difficult now to get these energy prices back to the high of this year or higher. I just, I just don't think that's going to work for quite some time, which should be a good thing of working this inflation down. But so I'm, I'm convinced it's going down. What I can't tell you is how fast can inflation come down? I see some scenarios by other analysts saying it's just going to crash. Um, but I see other scenarios that it could come down very slowly and that could make it painful on us yet. You know, that even though it's coming down, it's just not a, enough to ease the, the situation here. But uh, uh, how, to, how this all relates to the economy, um, my best modeling is still saying we're not going into a recession. There is something I allow called a secondary recession. And some people feel the first and second quarter GDP will eventually be proven as being negative. We already know the first quarter was negative. Uh, and they think the second quarter is negative, but some are saying not so fast. Uh, that, um, And I, know, I don't know when the government's going to give us, it shouldn't be too soon here, they ought to give us an update on that second quarter. But some people are saying they think it can actually be a bit positive. But if it is negative, then there's a definition of saying two negative quarters, consecutive quarters of GDP is the sign of a recession. Well, the problem is, if that occurs, if you look at the overall economy, however, if you look at PMIs, which I use as a clue of GDP and for the economy, that G, those PMIs are nowhere near a recession. They are coming down and they're coming down at a faster pace. So maybe there's something I don't understand next couple of months, they can get down into recession territory, but it's not looking that way. So this time around, I don't think that definition of, of GDP being uh, flashing signs of recession is going to be right. It's not working that way. And to me, the better recessions are when you have minus inflation, not positive inflation like what we've got. So uh, we got a mixed picture there, and it is a little bit confusing, but um, I do allow something called a secondary recession, and maybe we're in that, but the, really what occurs is a secondary recession, normally the government <clears throat> and most of the economists will not call it <clears throat> a true recession. It's like it slides under the radar screen. 
Uh, it's kind of like something close to one, maybe. And so maybe we've got that going for us. But for the moment, my model is saying it's unlikely we're going to beat up the stock market by huge amounts for quite some time. If anything, uh, I've already told my subscribers, we're looking for a type of long-term bottom in the stock market this week on into early August. And uh, I, I know it's weak this morning here, but I kind of like that. I'm kind of glad they're pounding it up overnight and we'll see how well the cash market handles it. Um, even though I'm optimistic the stock market, latter half of this year, I'm optimistic the economy, I'm not going to tell you it's going to be great because this inflation may last longer than we'd really like. And the interest rates by the Fed might get too high and hold us back. But that's how I'm looking at it. We might have headwinds, but I really think with the stock market off more than 20%, we've pretty much dialed in all the bearish negative news. And what I want to point out is when you see these analysts, they're making forecasts of the future of profits of companies, businesses, their price to earnings. They'll normally do about a 12-month rolling forecast. They may experiment with six-month, 18, and 24 months. But remember, they're rolling them out. So some of those a few months ago were forecasting some bad business numbers coming, a slowdown in the economy. And, and especially once they saw this high inflation and knew we had to raise interest rates. And really, we haven't seen all of that evidence come true. It's leaning that way. But we've already knocked the stock market down. And some of these analysts, as they roll over every month, they're starting to say, well, at least looking out two years from now, a year and a half from now, things are actually get better. They're all they're getting, they're preparing to change from a pessimistic viewpoint to an optimistic. And I think what the stock market is going to do is actually move up while the economy may actually slip a bit more here in coming months. Um, and then eventually the economy bottoms and moves up as well. And the stock market is going to be ahead of it. And it becomes very, very difficult for us investors that, you know, you get some signals saying, go ahead and buy the stock market. And then you look at the news and you think, wow, it looks like the end of the world here. Right. <laughs> and yeah. it scares you, you know, it takes a lot of courage to go out there and buy. And I, I get that. And my model is you know, helped me understand this for many years, and and it's not as not as um, upsetting to me to to go ahead and give a buy signal as it would for someone else. Um, and I don't mind jumping back out, and I don't mind having to uh, deal with it and work with it a little bit. But um, I'm I'm feeling optimistic here in the stock market. I think there's far more time to go up and far more upside uh, for the stock market when looking out several years. And I, I think it bottoms this year. I think it's going to bottom in the next few weeks here. But it may be a, a real struggle yet, and we haven't found the bottom I'm looking for yet. And that doesn't mean we're going to a new low for the year, by the way. Uh, it may. And normally just price only, I'd say that's the ideal forecast to go to a new low for the year, then up. But uh, the overall model is saying, boy, you've, you know, you've beat this up so much, you've pretty much dialed things in. It's possible the lowest price of the year is already in place for the stock market. And now we're just waiting on the model <laughs> to catch up and give us another kind of bottom here. And uh, so I, I don't think it can go much lower, frankly, but we'll see. And I need some upside to help prove, <laughs> prove I'm on yeah. the right track here. So, so yeah. A, so we've got a question for you here. So there's this typically when we're into some kind of an economic, you know, disruption of sorts, there's pretty much everyone kind of has the same level of, uh, they're all kind of in the same camp varying degrees of where they're at in that camp but this is a one time where i've, I've noticed anyway that 
there's there's people like you that are saying, you know, this is a short term thing, and interest rates are going to come back down pretty rapidly here, pretty or, or not rapidly, but quicker here as we move in, into the rest of twenty two, going to twenty three, and it's no there might no, no real sign of recession type of thing. And you got other people up there, you know, we're coming off the cliff. This is it. We're dead. Dollars going going to hell in a handbasket, and we're just all going to be eating, you know, ramen noodles for the next, you know, five years type of deal. Why do you think there's such a distinct line between these different camps this time around compared to what we've seen in the past? Yeah. As, and, and boy, I've worked on this for decades because, you know, I see this every time that I got a bottom yet somebody's against me. <laughs> and so you take a look at their work, you see if you're missing anything. Yeah. And quite often, boy, some of them, if they've been in the business for a long time, got a good track record, you look at their work and you say, no, this is actually a very good work. But I find out that they're just not in line with these business cycles. Yeah. And if they're not, they're usually wrong and I'm right. If uh, if they are in line with the business cycle, usually I'm still kind of on board with them that I might think they're still a little too bearish, but we, we wind up together getting on board with it. And so it's more of a timing thing. A lot of these uh, this analysis they do, it's, it's not so much about timing. It's just a general idea of this is about what should occur and fairly soon. And I just find, boy, if that business cycle is up, you, you get these scares, like, like the business cycle we're in is going to be bullish and optimistic here, net growth for this decade. But if you look along the timeline of that, you get sometimes 20% drops in the stock market, and then it just goes right back up again. And you look at the economy and you say, wow, you know, it did actually slow down then. And sometimes you even do get what's called a secondary recession where, boy, you know, things weren't so good, but it wasn't so bad to truly call it a recession. And then everything just improved. And so they're kind of fighting that larger trend. And I just, it just, uh, right today, it looks like we're seeing the same thing that they got some good analysis, but it's really not that predictable. It's not not going to work. And I think that what they misunderstand, the biggest thing that most everybody uh, misses is people still have to go out to work every day and they have to, and they have to eat, they have to consume, yeah. they're going to spend money. And even when during bad times, I mean, if you go back 1970s, when we were knocking out seven, 9% inflation year after year after year, just think of that every year you went into the store and everything's up 7% from the last year, people still bought and they bought a lot. And uh, business, business still rolled right on. And even when you get a crash and burn in your economy, people still out there buying. So to me, that's a very, very important feature that many people in this business uh, miss or they downgraded at times. And we all get a little bias. We get a little motion. And I have little things built in my model and to kind of tell me, okay, Rich, you're getting carried away now. <laughs> Calm down. Take, take a breather. And some of these people don't necessarily do that. And some of these people um, have been around for decades. And uh, I know one of them, uh, won't mention his name, but he's well-known around the world. He's been looking for a 1929 crash since 1980. Yeah. And he's been partially right at times and i keep thinking he's going to say there it is we're done with it it's good enough and he doesn't it, it goes up again and again and again and i i finally learned he's in the business of talking about the bad things and people love that and they're paying for it and he runs a big business he's been right very right in short term intermediate term 
stuff. So that way he, people aren't necessarily losing money on him. But he's been entirely wrong since 1980 on these major long-term blowout moves. And uh, and yet he has good analysis eh? and he runs a good business and people are paying. Like I say, he's, he's pretty good size around the world. He's never been right on his long term. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. <clears throat> so question here. So looking at, at what we see happen with commodities right now, obviously commodities are taking a look at what's going on in the economy and their you know, fear of recession. We see some sell-offs here. You know, we had a couple weeks ago, sold off everything. Corn was down two bucks over a couple of weeks. Bounced back last week. This week, you had some of the uh, you know stock news come through. Kind of expectations were a little bit uh, a little bit lower than what it came back at. So, um, you know, we got an idea. You know, kind of through things in the world there. Throw a little gas on that fire. Um, it looks like Russia, Ukraine, Turkey. What they're trying to do as far as getting grain out of the Black Sea and, and allowing safe passage and all those kind of things um, is getting closer to, to making that happen. I guess as you take a look at that, Rich, how much how much of a, of a reaction do you expect to see in the commodity markets if they start having more regular shipments of, of uh, grain coming out of the Black Sea? Yeah, uh, that's a difficult answer right now because I think that's part of the reason of this drop in the grains. Granted, it's also the fact that uh, even though we get some weather issues in the U.S., they're not necessarily serious enough right now. And the prices have been up for a couple of years now. And people just know, boy, you got to look out now. Next few years, you can have lower and lower prices. So it's some of our own microeconomics and business going on in our own country. And we're worried about the global side here with the recession. We're worried about this exploding dollar, which we want to talk about. Uh, but I do believe in the last couple of weeks, at least, that uh, we're seeing some of that adjustment that Europe can get back to normal business. And I myself, I don't have enough data to really know this whole Russia Ukraine. So I have to rely on people that are over there and working on that kind of thing. And they kind of feel like in the next six months something's going to get resolved to get back to better trade. Doesn't mean the, the war won't continue on. It may go on in the next year, some of them are thinking, but they feel like something's going to resolve. So the way I look at it, they're in the business of talking that stuff. There's some big companies out there that are listening to these people, and I just got to go along with it. That uh, Yeah, I, I think that can weigh on the market a little bit more, but I also think there's a chance we're going to get decent crops in this country. You know, I'm not saying there'll be uh, you know, the bend's going to bust by no means. Um, uh, cause we do have some issues around the country down in the Southern U S. Uh, they're probably going to lose some yield here and it's starting to trickle on up into North, uh, West, uh, Iowa, but it doesn't look like a national drought scenario, you know, uh, corn belt. Uh, so, so I could see there's the, the pendulum has swung where we're seeing that list of why prices and go down is getting larger all the time. Russia Ukraine's part of that. And I think it's all, but I think it's already built in. I'm not so sure that means price has to crash now. Uh, albeit I'm, I'm feeling kind of bearish into August and I thought we'd still get a couple few bounces this month. But uh, as of this morning, looks like the, somebody out there is selling these grains as if they really do think it's going lower right into, uh, mid-late August or something like that. And uh, so it, I, it is a factor. 
Uh, I just don't can't tell you, you know, is, is this a major issue for our grain markets or not? It, I, I would say not. I think it's partially dialed in, but it's there. And uh, and yes, the world world wants to see and certainly Europe and Middle East. They want to see this thing fixed. They want some grain out of Ukraine. So uh, politicians are working on it. No question about it. And that's what I'm hearing is probably going to get some things fixed over the next six months. So you brought up the dollar. That was the next thing I want to talk to you about before we shut stuff down. Dollars have been making some weird, weird moves based around what we're seeing as well. I mean, we're raising in interest rates. We're seeing these kind of things happen. The dollar is still staying strong. We got parity with the euro um, as far as that goes. So the strength of dollar is is uh, really moving up. I mean, there's just it's just they're showing a lot of strength there. Kind of like gold, you kind of scratch your head a little bit there. Why is why is it staying like this? You know, yeah, it I know. I, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I was bullish the dollar from ninety up to about ninety eight for the dollar index, and then when it started going over a hundred, at least my model is saying, "Hey, the trend is up." Uh, stop trying to forecast how high. Just follow the trend. Just say it's going higher until we get the next signal. And it really has not given us a signal to to sell a dollar. We had a chance a couple months ago, and it did dip on us, and uh, and then it just suddenly gave us another buy signal, and the way it went. And so I don't have that magical number to say, well, this will be the highest. I'm just waiting for the model. Just say the overall pattern of that, uh, that index is more important than trying to pick the price. And basically, I need some downside to help with that. Uh, but digging deeper into that story, you know, I thought to myself, with this high of inflation, you would think the dollar would be lower. Right. And uh, the bottom line is somewhat like the gold, the dollar has said, I have more faith in, if the dollar was a person, it would say, I have more faith in this interest rates stopping this inflation thing. And I think this inflation isn't going on for many, many years. It's it's not not transitory. We're all over that. It's taken too long, but it's it's actually still temporary that it will get fixed. There's no reason. So it focuses on interest rates, and that's what helped propel us uh, above the 100 in the index. Now we're up to what 105, 108. I got my chart here somewhere, but at any rate, the story once it got uh, breaking nicely through 100, the stories flipped to an odd situation with the Japanese Japan yen. And their currency relative to the dollar just went wild, crazy. We hadn't seen that in more than a decade. And that helped propel the dollar even higher. Just that one single country, it's like the rest of the world kind of followed suit, if you will. And then uh, lately, uh, more so this week, uh, the euro has crashed and burned. It's the lowest since 2000 or lowest since it was created. Uh, so shocking news there. And that's mostly off worries of their economy that they think their economy is going downhill, even though they have high inflation. And this is the strange stuff. Normally, high inflation is a sign of a hot economy. Well, you can do things to bring down your economy and still be stuck with high inflation for a while. And then eventually inflation comes down too. So people are nervous that things are going to get worse. Either inflation stays too high for too long, hurts the economy, or uh, the war on inflation over there is actually going to hurt their economy. And frankly, I think they've really overreacted to this. Um, 
that the euro is, is just, just way too low. And I don't think Eurozone's got a problem where they're going to crash and burn. But, uh, you know, they've had their problems, especially with this Russia-Ukraine thing and their energy prices soaring to the moon. It's been tough on them, really tough. And I'm surprised their economy has done as well as it has. <laughs> it's done, by some measurements, actually done pretty good. Uh, but uh, that, so we have these unique situations that are just very specialized, if you will, and not the normal business of the currency world. And therefore, currencies are highly related not only to watching inflation and the economy, but also interest rates, more so interest rates. And we also have a situation where the rest of the world, even though they're just starting to fight inflation, they're lagging us on this war of inflation. Their interest rates are rising at a slower pace than ours. And that still makes us the leader. So people, especially the speculators, buy our dollar. And all this is piling on top of one another. And um, the, my stock market model does not like this, this dollar, even though it's optimistic for the future. It does not like it. But with any luck at all, we're going to put a long-term top in the dollar. I was starting to look for a long-term top from May to September, October, something like that. Took a shot at it, said, hey, we could be early. We were right for about a month. And then I went back up and said, okay, we know we're early. We can't let up on it. I don't think it is going to top to September, but there is a 30% probability it tops uh, this month, early next, something like that. But I think it's going to hang up here for a little bit longer. So I'm rather optimistic in the sense I think the dollar will be down next year. I don't think it'll be down enough to help commodities. Um, and it is high enough to hurt our commodity demand. And that's worrying our commodities. It's wor people are worried about what's this mean for the overall economy and uh, global economy. But I think we'll get some relief, but the stock market will make a bigger deal out of that lower dollar than commodities and some of these, uh, these other things. But uh, yeah, some weird situations exploding um, this dollar. Normally, I'm one who... After working for some commercial grain companies, I realized people don't really watch the dollar as much as everybody thinks in these grain markets. Uh, but it comes and goes for importance. And gosh, once we started going over a uh, uh, hundred on the U.S. dollar index, um, uh, to me, yeah, it is high enough to be concerned. What does that mean for uh, our demand and our economy? So uh, I do want that dollar to come down. And I think it will, but uh, no sign of a top now. I mean, it's a straight up rocket. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, Rich, take a look at what's going on right now. Um, with we've talked about energy, we've talked about dollar, we've talked about gold, we've talked about all the, the leading indicators out there right now. What's the one other thing that you're paying attention to right now that's pointing towards this, you know, slipping of of interest rates and uh, you know missing this this recession that we keep hearing so much about to stay away from the recession yeah or yeah uh, uh so, well that uh the yield curve i'm going to be watching more than i would normally like to because i don't think it's as important as everybody is but i think the problem is i think everybody else thinks it's very important and it's going to impact the markets near term so i got to keep an eye on that uh yield curve more than the actual interest rates but i do think I do think the free market interest rates don't really want to go much higher than this. They're waiting for the Fed to catch up to them. And if the Fed wants to keep pushing, pushing, pounding to the upside, then yes, the free market will uh, push it higher. But um, I think what I want to see uh, to help... Uh, to help encourage me, I'm on the right path, things will get better going into next year, is I want to see the stock market improving next month. 
and and then hopefully continues to improve for the rest of the year. But these PMIs, I want to see by September and October, some evidence of PMIs are moving on. PMI is just a number that comes out once a month, and it's highly correlated GDP. If PMIs are trending higher, you later learn your GDP in your country was trending higher. So even though it's just an indicator of manufacturing and services businesses, it's also an indicator of the overall economy, a very good indicator. So I'm fine with the PMEs, PMIs being down now because in December last year, I said they're going to be down this year. But I said they can be going back up by the end of the year, just right along with the stock market. So um, we want to keep an eye on those because uh, the PMIs have not gone uh, below 50, which means our economy is still growing and growing well, but it is slowing down uh, its pace. In other words, we're, we were doing 90 miles an hour. Now we're doing 60. Okay. Right. And maybe we're going to do 40 and 40 is not so good. So that's when you got to worry about um, a recession. If it drops below 50, your economy is actually moving backwards. And we may see that, but if it does it when I think it's going to do it and the stock market is looking better, I'm probably going to make the same call I made in 2015, 2016, and 2012 when I said, don't let them scare you. This is nonsense. This is a buy to dip moment in the stock market, and it worked. And I think that's probably what we'll see with the PMIs if they want to go that low. I'm not convinced they're going to go that low. Uh, something else I want to see is um, I want to see third, third quarter GDP uh, to be positive again. And if second quarter is positive, that's going to be very encouraging to me and would increase the odds the third quarter would be positive. Um, if we can get some positive GDP throughout the rest of the year, why uh we got a good chance that we've already we're getting close to recession, but we survived it. We we, we got beyond it, and um, and then you know obviously as we come into the end of the year, I'll have to reevaluate whether there's any risk of a recession early next year. But I'm not seeing. I feel like the model in December said, "Hey, this year we're going to see the economy back off earlier in the year, and then start to recover. We're going to see the stock market come down, and then it's going to start to recover." Now, I did say in December I thought we'd have a positive um, return in the stock market by the end of this year of like five, seven, nine percent. I correctly about March, March through May, I said no, we're probably going to wind up with a slightly minus number. And yes, they scared me here a few weeks ago. Maybe I got to lower it some more. Now, no, I think this market could recover enough so it's only off a few percent by the end of this year. This is all encouraging me to follow what the model is saying for next year. And the model is saying, has said and still saying next year will be just an up year, not up every single day or even every right. single month. But you know, if you could think of that annual pattern, it was supposed to be down up this year, not necessarily higher uh, for the year. And then next year should be up. And gosh, uh, Casey, the best I could tell, I know there's some very good people out there saying <laughs> it's crash and burn. But I think we've pretty much dialed in. I think this market has come down enough uh, to have even dialed in some future bad news here. And just keep in mind that overall pattern, when you come into these, when you're, when you're ending a bear market, normally the stock market turns up first, then the economy turns up. Then if you're, you're doing these sentiment readings of what people think, they're even bearish until after the economy starts to turn up. Then they turn optimistic. And I think that's the pattern sequence we want to watch all the way to the end of this year. Yep. Um, well, Rich, plenty of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff to keep your eye on, and you're the man that we want to go to when that happens. So uh, folks want to learn more about your podcast one more time with where they can find that at. 
Uh, criticalpointpod.com. And then they can also uh, go on Twitter if they want. It's at uh, Rich underscore Possum. Right on. And Rich is going to be a speaker at the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee. He's the, uh, I think if I go back and look at it, right, Rich, you're the, you're the first out of the gate. So you're, all the pressure's on you, man. So <laughs> set the tone for the meeting. So, so uh, I think, but I think you'll do a good job and uh, I look forward to seeing you there. So thanks for being on the podcast, man. Thank you. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Also, I have the YouTube channel. You can see the video version of this podcast on the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check that out. Go to movingironllc.com for everything Moving Iron related and to, ch- to sign up for the Moving Iron Podcast or Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Uh, that will be uh, at the Hilton downtown there in, uh, in Nashville. So if you're interested in seeing the, that, need some more information, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. And I'll make sure to get back to you as well. My good friend Alex Chichenko is over in Ukraine right now, passing out uh, humanitarian aid where he can. Go to help Alex out. Help Alex's GoFundMe page. Go to the show notes, and you'll be a link there that you can check that out. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Rich Boston. Let's move some iron, folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to MovingIronLLC.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving higher in the 21st century.